Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether they are our corner stores, our coffee spots, or our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders, they call us by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going the extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need your support. So it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses. And look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with your contactless visa to help support our community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. Ultimately, you know, keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. We're back another episode of 1% Better. Colts, they're one and one. We told you that earlier this week. If you listen to our first episode of the week, so this is our back half of the week episode leading into Sunday's game. The featured four o'clock slot, Zach, against the vaunted New York Jets. I'm the excited. Game on everybody's <laughs> calendar on Sunday. Colts, Jets, 405, Lucas Oil Stadium. Yeah, man. This is just one of those games like. I know it's easy to overlook, but you know what? It's like I said, week one. Go win the damn game and then just move on to whatever week four has to hold for you or whatever week four has in store, I should say, for you. So uh, I guess let's start with the Colts before we get to the Jets. Um, so, again, Zach, story of the week, injuries, all right? It's, yeah. It has been for two weeks in a row. Uh, the Colts, I thought, in a lot of ways played great on Sunday, but they paid a price. Uh, clearly, Paris Campbell has been moved to IR. Malik Hooker has been moved to IR. He will miss the rest of the season with the Achilles tear. We don't know about Paris Campbell. He's got a an, an MCL and a PCL uh, injury. He's got an injury to both of those ligaments, and I can tell you what they stand for, but it would take me a minute. I can't remember. Anyway, <laughs> so if you care about the medical terms, look them up, but those are certainly two knee ligaments he's got to deal with. That's not great. He's an explosive player, so you're talking about you know a lower body injury, so that's not great there. Zach, let's talk about how they turned the page from this, and then we'll also hit on you know what's next after Hooker goes down. But uh, with Paris Campbell, what do you think? I mean, and, and then Jack Doyle too, by the way. We'll get to him in a second. He's not yeah. practicing as of this recording, so that's a story there. So let's just talk about how do they turn the page from these injuries. Um, how much does this hurt them, if at all? Yeah, it hurts. It hurts a big in a big way. It's a big blow for the offense because no one did what Paris Campbell did. And I think you saw that yep. in week one against the Jags. And I think Phillip Rivers spoke to that, right? Like those speed crossers. I mean, that was his game. There's no guy on the roster that can do that. That's what they drafted him to do. He was going to be a big yard after catch guy. And they don't really have that. Now, they're much more equipped, and I think you would agree, to handle this blow than they were last year, especially in 18 when they were having to sign guys off the street to play receiver. And, you know, Zach Pascal will step up. You feel good about that. He's a guy you can count on. Michael Pittman is getting better each week, and we saw more from him last week than we did in week one. But I think we're going to feel the absence of Paris Campbell over the course of the season. I think they're going to be able to find ways – to get some wins and to move the ball without him. But I think over the course of the year, you're not going to have as many explosive plays. And one guy who needs to step up is T.Y. Hilton. And with Paris Campbell out, it's never been more evident. T.Y. Hilton needs to start making those splash plays because they're still going to keep looking to him 
and he had another drop on Sunday, and Frank Reich thought it might have been the sun. You know, maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. Maybe he's just covering for T.Y., but um, they're going to need everybody to step up, and it starts with the best player on the on the unit. That's T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, I think what's so interesting about T.Y. Hilton is, number one, we, we haven't – well, I guess this week we didn't talk that much about his lack of contribution because it didn't matter, right? Right. In week one, it certainly mattered because he let him down. There's no question. He let him down, and there was not the sun in his eyes in week one. He just dropped two balls in the red zone on the final drive of the game, and that's absolutely inexcusable. If it was a lesser player, we would be absolutely crushing him. So Correct. I think T.Y. Hilton has to take that, and he did take it. Like He never shied away from it. I thought he – he stepped up and he, he said, in his words, I lost the game for us. So yeah. I give him credit for that. But at the end of the day, who cares, right? You got to, it's not about being accountable. It, that helps, but you got to make the play. So, but what I was going to say is what's interesting is watching Sunday's game, T.Y. Was, was a minimal factor. He had the 128 yard catch, which was a big play, I think set up a score. But him not being a factor wasn't a, a big deal. The thing is, we know. They can't survive the season like that, right? That's yeah. not okay. And they know that. But but I will say, it does say something about the Colts <laughs> that they were able to survive the absence of Jack Doyle and the loss of Paris Campbell on basically the second play of the game and not miss a beat. So it does say something about their ability to overcome injuries at that position. But again, this can't keep up. T.Y. has to become a factor. Uh, are you worried? If we see one more, I think the answer is yes. I'm willing to give him a pass. I think he's earned that. I think Philip Rivers said it today. Like, look, I have zero worry about this guy. I've been doing it with him for eight weeks on the practice field, and, and I feel really good about it. But one more of those plays, and I'm going to start to worry. Yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, I hate to make this comparison, but we saw Reggie Wayne drop a lot of footballs his last year with the Colts in 2014. And, and Reggie's as good as this franchise has ever had, short of Marvin Harrison. And, he wasn't himself, and he, he, I remember sitting him, sitting and watching him in the locker room one day after a game in Cleveland. Uh, T.Y. had bailed him out, caught the game-winning touchdown. Reggie had like five drops that day, and he just kind of sat there by himself while everyone celebrated around T.Y., and you could just feel the era was shifting. Like, it was becoming T.Y.'s receiver room, and that was hard for Reggie that season, and, and, and I'm not saying that's happening right now because I still think T.Y. Is, is a bona fide, legit, deep threat in this league, but... Two weeks in a row, three drops in critical situations, one of which is a touchdown, the other of which wind up won the game. They might be 2-0 and if he catches those footballs in Jacksonville. So um, the the leash is longer with a guy like this, but it's not that long. And in this league, you need to deliver. And I can guarantee you, if he doesn't, the Colts are going to have a long and hard discussion with him after the season because he's a free agent. And if he's not producing, that makes the decision that much easier for the Colts. And I say that in full awareness of what this guy means to the franchise. Yeah. The the hope here for me, just because I like TY as a guy and I think he 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 does mean a lot to the franchise, to the fans. The hope here is that he just works this out and we don't have to have this conversation anymore because I don't I don't enjoy this. You know, no, what I'm and, and like, we forget about it, right? It's week yeah. two. And by the time December rolls around and he's got eight touchdowns and, you know, a bunch of yards, it's like Remember when he had those couple drops? Like that was a long time ago. That's probably what's yeah, going to happen. Yeah, I, I want to like look back in six weeks and laugh at this, right? You know, because yeah, like I said, I don't enjoy this. Like I didn't enjoy it when Reggie went through some of this, right? I mean, I mean, Reggie and I had some 
had some headbutting during those days. Yeah, you know, as a reporter player relationship, that was not fun. It's not fun when you have to like call out like you know one of the greatest players in franchise history, but you have to do it sometimes, and and it sucks. But <laughs> I'll share with the listeners this, and you know this story because you were there. Uh, remember that game we had in Dallas late that one season, and yes, <laughs> and Reggie was just struggling, and. I, I asked him after the game, and this was the week after I had, you know, graded him pretty harshly on a performance. And I used to do this thumbs up and thumbs down feature at the newspaper. Well, he was one of my thumb down selections yep. that week. And I asked him a question in, you know, group of reporters. And he said, well, you know, just do what you always do. Just give us a thumbs down. And I mean, he just like, he just crushed me. But like, it is what it is. Now, we're not there. This is not that. Right? No. T.Y.'s. No. No. Not there yet. Now, now he he gets a thumbs down for certainly week one, but yeah. uh, I think he'd give himself a two thumbs down. He, but right, he called he it right like it was. He called it like it was. I give him credit, but but again, right? I mean, that only goes so far. You gotta you gotta put it together on the field, and you gotta do your part. But I would say this though. Again, I go back to what I said. It does say something about the Colts and what they're building. The fact that they can overcome what Tui has done so far, which is not very much. So. This would not have been the case last season. I mean, it, it was not. We saw this team. Yeah, times yeah. are changing with this roster. And I was having this conversation with someone at practice today, and this is somewhat related, somewhat not, but who are the best two position groups on this team? I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. I'm going O-line, D-line. You could yeah. make a case. You could make a case for the for the linebackers, and I'd hear that case. But think about that statement five, six years ago when Andrew Luck was the quarterback. They were the worst position groups on the team by far. They couldn't stop the run, and they couldn't block the quarter for the quarterback. And and now, you know, I think that's going to pay off in November and December. And I think you're starting to see sort of what Chris Ballard wanted to do here. And it was always going to take a couple years, right? A couple draft classes, a couple free agent classes. But I was watching the D line practice, and you see Taylor Stallworth got in there and made two plays and like eight snaps on Sunday. Tyquan Lewis had a sack. I think he only played like nine or ten snaps. So the depth of those positions, that is a a bedrock this team can lean on this season. When guys like T.Y. you know, don't make plays, when Paris Campbell goes down, when Willie Cooker goes down, when you have really, really good O-line and D-line, that's going to carry you. I'm not going to say they're going to win every game, but things are changing in the depth of the roster, and you can feel it starting in the trenches. I just feel like that has jumped out to me. O-line has been freaking incredible the first two games. Yeah, and I, I actually think that's a great segue talking about the interior on both sides. That's a great segue to, to the Jets game because I think that's where they can really shine in this game. Uh, and I'll start particularly with the defensive line because those guys are starting to assert themselves. And I, I tell you, I know Chris Ballard is in heaven because this is, you said, this is what he has talked about, Colts GM. From He's day dreamed one. about this. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know what? Kudos to him because it's happening. All right. DeForest Buckner is starting to get comfortable, okay? And that is trouble. If I mean, he's you throwing the grown men around, the ball. so that's, that's a decent start. Okay, can we talk about that real quick? I, <laughs> because I, have you that's, seen a, that's Quentin Nelson stuff. Yeah. That's Quentin Nelson stuff on the defensive side is what it is, right? Because, I mean, that's what Quentin does. He throws people around, he pancakes them, and, and basically, like, you know, sticks his ass in their face and just sits down, sits on them, right? Right. And the Forrest Buckner just took someone's manhood, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, it's all over social media. Uh, just Google 
you know, DeForest Buckner murdering someone and you'll find Yeah. <laughs> but anyhow, just tell me what sticks out to you. I, I, I'll just tell you real quickly a couple things to me. Uh, how the other guys are raising their level of play. And I don't think there's any accident. I think right. that goes to DeForest Buckner and his presence. I mean, look at Danico Autry, who I thought last year took a step back. This guy is playing great right now. Right. So, I don't know. What's the takeaway for you so far from this defensive line and their performance? And there's one more guy that deserves credit. His name's Brian Baker, the new D-line coach who's coached at you know, 55 different stops in college and the pros, and Frank Reich was gushing about him in the offseason about how excited he was to get this guy. We saw this guy up close. You know, for, for the listeners out there, we watch practice and, you know, we're kind of far away, but we get to see some groups up close. One of those was the D-line this summer. We got to watch all of training camp, and Brian Baker was on these guys. And he's had a huge role in, in Taekwon Lewis's very quick development this year. But you're right. I mean, Danico Autry is absolutely filling that spot on the end vacated by Jabal Sheard. And one of the quiet, productive guys the last three years was Jabal Sheard. Didn't make a ton of splash plays, but was really good at setting the edge. You're seeing Buckner. But a guy that, you know, really doesn't jump out a ton, but has been really consistent and deserves a ton of credit from where he's at now compared with where he was when they drafted him is the guy we talked to today, Grover Stewart. I feel really good about him at the nose tackle spot. A guy from Albany State, a small school. All he's done is put Division his head down two, and work. Yeah, not, I mean, even, not even FCS. Division when they two. drafted him, we were like, who the heck is this kid? And, you know, a lot of times those guys make it their first year and get cut, end up on a practice squad. He's a starter. And there wasn't really much competition in camp. I mean, this guy established himself late last year and never looked back. And so you're starting to see that wave. And by that, I mean Ballard wanted not five guys on the defensive line who were able to come in and make an impact, but eight or nine. If they can keep nine up on game day, they love that. And Eberfluss wants this as well. And so you're starting to see those coverage sacks. I've seen a little bit more of that this season, especially in week two when the secondary actually played well. But think about all the guys that made plays on Sunday. It wasn't just Buckner and it wasn't just Justin Houston. Lewis, Stallworth, Grover Stewart, Autry. I mean, that's that's hard to deal with if you're an offense, not just an offensive line, but the quarterback. And even a quarterback like Kirk Cousins, who does not make a ton of mistakes, who's happy to check the ball down, he was pressured and he was forcing bad throws down the field. The secondary played great. They took advantage, three picks. I mean, the, the Vikings had no, I mean, the Colts just suffocated them. That's what it felt like to me. Um, it starts with that D line and you're starting to see that. And it's, it's fun to watch. And I know it's fun for Colts fans out there who have not seen a unit this good in a long time. Hey, before we move on, a quick word from DraftKings. Week two of the football season is already in the books, and it's already time for week three. It's time to review the game tape and get ready for Sunday's games, and there's no place better to do that than the DraftKings Sportsbook app. DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you've heard this before, you know how great of an offer this is. If you haven't tried the DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store and download the app because you do not want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving away all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team. Any team in the NFL, you can place a $1 bet on any team, and if that team wins, you cash a cool Benjamin. How could you pass that up? Don't worry. If football isn't for you, DraftKings is also giving you MMA fans the same great offer to use for this weekend's UFC 253. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code FAST, F-A-S-T, when you sign up. 
to get this can't miss offer. Pick any team during week three of the NFL season. Bet $1, and if they win, you get $100. That's $1 to win $100 when you use promo code FAST during sign-up. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older. Indiana only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. When you talk about how the Colts want to win, on, on offense, look, they're going to throw the ball a lot, but but they're going to be a physical team. You know, whether they're throwing the ball or whether they're running the ball, they're, they're still going to be a very physical team. And that, I think, sets a tone. And, and I know some of these cliches get thrown around a little too much, but I think it's real for this team because it, it is the embodiment of who they are. Well, they're doing that now on defense, and I think that's important. You know, the offensive line has established a way of doing things on on the offense for the Colts. Now the defensive line, I think, can have the same sort of effect on the defense. And the one thing I would say, you know, whoever you want to give credit to, I don't care. But the one thing I will say is that the, the Minnesota game was a great example of both the front and the back end working together in tandem. You know, I went back and I watched the tape in detail, did my film review. If you haven't read it, there's some interesting stuff in there. And one of the things that I I referenced was the fact that they used a lot of aggressive coverage, man coverage. They were they were stacking the box a little bit because Minnesota wants to run the ball, right? So I get that. And what they did was that man coverage, as you said, Zach, it, it caused Kirk Cousins to hold the ball a little more. And then what happens is your defensive line comes in and cleans it up. They only had three sacks, but they got, I believe, seven quarterback hits. Okay, that's a ton, and don't think that doesn't take a toll. The other thing I would say is uh, from week one to two, here's a big key in this game and the outcome. So Gardner Minshew held the ball, I think, for 2.3 seconds on average, meaning from the time the ball snapped to the time the ball's out of his hand. That was incredibly fast. Now, Kirk Cousins in week three, it was three about 3.4 seconds. Now, I know that doesn't sound like a big difference. It's a huge difference. Huge difference. That was actually the second longest period in all the games played this weekend. So that gives you some context. So what, what that tells me is he didn't have open throws. And so when he doesn't have that, that means... Now he is going to get hurried by the defensive line because they're going to get there. So, look, it all works together. And and I think this is what the Colts wanted. And remember, they're doing this without Sheldon Day and without, more importantly, Kamoko Ture, you know, two guys who they hope to get back who were who were big parts of their plan for this year. So give them a lot of credit. I really do. I think Sunday was the blueprint. And we've seen this from time to time. But, you know, how good was Phillip Rivers Sunday? Pretty good. Didn't have to be great. Didn't have to win the game. Um, and I don't mean to spin this to the offense, but as a whole team, and Frank Reich talks about this a lot, that's how they wanted to win. They wanted to win in every phase, and they did. There were plays on special teams. Rivers was good, didn't have to be exceptional, 19-25 to 25 for 215 yards, didn't have to throw for 400, didn't have to throw 45 times. Jonathan Taylor's exceptional. They're very lucky to have him. I think he's going to be a stud. Um, but that was a sound beating, and I think you know it starts – with two position groups it starts with the O-line and the D-line and it's taking Chris Ballard some time to get there, but um, these are going to be fun units to watch this year. And um, Quentin Nelson is a freak and he's been fun to watch on tape because I missed some things during the game. Then I'll go back and watch the tape Monday morning 
and you're like, oh my God, 56. Like, let's not take him for granted in terms of watching a Hall of Famer inch into his prime because he's just been ridiculous. Uh, the guy is just fantastic, no question. Uh, so a couple quick things that I thought were were interesting week two, and I'm wondering how they work in week three is, well, one player that I get asked about constantly, and this is a fantasy football thing, is Naheem Hines. I thought that was really interesting. He played, I believe, nine offensive snaps on Sunday. I, on last Sunday, I was stunned by that. So we'll see how that plays into this game. I think uh, T.Y. Hilton, we talked about him, he played fewer snaps than normal. And I think that's because the Colts were run heavy, so they went with Pittman and Pascal because why? Those are their run blockers, right? So uh, it'll also be interesting to see how the the tight ends continue to to have a role here because, you know, Mo Ali Cox, who we talked about a lot, I, I think one thing about Mo Ali Cox that's interesting is it's not that he had a big game. It's it's also the fact that he played very differently than we're accustomed to him playing. Yeah. And you, so have you ever seen Jack yeah. Doyle run those routes? No. That's, 30, that's yards, just it. 30 yards down the field, like vertical. He's a better game. athlete than Jack Doyle, which is not a slight at Jack Doyle. It's You're just a that he's different. Than Jack Doyle. No, no I probably to Jack. Am. I'm not as tough as Jack Doyle, though. <laughs> so no. I give no. him that. But like, right, they're they're very, very different. And I just think we've never seen Mo be asked to do this, so now we're like, oh, I didn't know you could do that, right? You know, that's that's one of the advantages of having a guy like Moelle Cox who didn't play college football. There's no tape on him. You don't know what he can do, and you don't know what he can't do. And we saw that play he made in Oakland a couple years ago that had, you know, the entire team freaking out because it was one of the best catches maybe I think I've ever seen on the Colts beat in the seven years I've covered this team. The one-handed fading away, and and you saw. Sunday, you know, he bobbled that first one down on the goal line. And they just went back to him and went back to him and went back to him. And he made some unbelievable catches, some great yards up to the catch runs. I mean, he's he's a guy defenses are going to have to start not just preparing for, but trying to scheme to stop. And if you have to do that with Molly Cox, what happens when Trey Burton comes back? You still got T.Y., you still got Zach Paschal, you still got um, the rookie Michael Pittman. So, gosh, Molly Cox is, is just – stepping up at the perfect time for this team because they're hurting at receiver. And if he can make those downfield vertical routes, turn those into 30-yard games, it's going to be tough to stop the offense. You know, some of this is coaching too. It's A lot of it's coaching, honestly. It's, right. There's two parts of it that are coaching. Number one is developing your talent, right? And there's no better example of de- developing talent on this team perhaps than Mo Ali Cox, guy who got here – now, hadn't played football since, you know, like yeah. the fourth grade or something. He's a, blo- he's a block of clay, essentially. Right. So it's up to you to maximize what God gave him. You know, if you can't get that out of him, well, then it goes to waste. So the Colts have done that, clearly uh, have, have done a great job developing him as a player. The other thing, the other aspect that I think goes back to coaching, traces back to coaching, is figuring out how to best use guys. Okay, because, all right, we have this guy. We think he can do a lot of things. We think he's talented. But how do we best position him to succeed? And I thought you saw that with Moale Cox on Sunday. So, and I think that hits on a lot of the guys we talked about. I just mentioned Naheem Hines. I think that has been the issue with Naheem Hines is figuring out how to use his unique skill set. Now, they didn't use it maybe on Sunday, but clearly week one established he's got a role, right? This was just a different kind of game. I've thought that, and I've said this on this podcast throughout August and July. Like, there's going to be games where Naheem looks like a superstar, and there's going to be games where he doesn't get any touches just because the way this offense is going to run, the way they're going to play, 
in the games they go heavy on Jonathan Taylor, you're not going to see a lot of Naheem Hines. So I think it's going to be frustrating for fantasy owners. But for the Colts, I just think that's how they're going to use Naheem Hines. And, and I talked to him for a while before the season started, and he was he was like, give me 80 catches. I'm ready for it. But he knows his role, and he's going to do everything he can to be ready when his name is called. But you got to feel good about that running back group after Marlon Mack goes down. Jordan Wilkins steps in and does exactly what we thought he would do as a backup. And Jonathan Taylor looks like what we thought he was. Well, the good thing is they've got options, and I think they know it. And that is why you're going to get a versatile attack from week to week. So uh, let's turn our attention a little bit toward the Jets. Now, (laughs) I think the most interesting thing here is honestly – the roster <laughs> it's basically colts east we've talked about this it's a running joke right it's the but, colts so, 2017 roster so that's not a compliment i guess but it no, is what it is colts, uh, so, they won four games that year yeah i went through the roster i had to write them all down because I, I there's no way i was remembering this and i actually forgot a few when i looked at the roster I was like oh yeah so let's just run through this quickly henry anderson josh andrews remember josh andrews actually pretty good backup uh terrell basham not a great draft pick. Uh, Pierre Desaire, Frank Gore, love Frank Gore. Nate Hirston, Thomas Hennessy. I forgot. Remember Tom, Thomas Hennessy, their long snapper, was here for like five minutes. Yeah, and, and then the Colts Luke traded Rhodes him. took his job. A linebacker right. took his job as the long snapper, essentially. <laughs> so, you know, go figure. And then the, oh, good old Quincy Wilson, who you know had an interesting time here. I like Quincy. He's a good. Kid. I would love to hear Quincy's unfiltered thoughts on his time in India. I don't think we'll ever hear that. <laughs> nice kid nice kid I've heard some of them we can't really repeat them but right. that's another story uh, look so what does this tell you about the New York Jets I mean I'm not trying to be flippant here but like let's be honest I know Chris Ballard said he wanted to have a team that uh, that other teams were were poaching players from right I think he meant but this the is not what he had the in NFL. mind <laughs> right not just one team picking My up his God. practice squad I, I mean, mean, do the Jets know there are 31 other teams? <laughs> look, Rex Hogan plays a role in this. You know, he yes. was the third guy in charge around here for a couple of years, and he's now the second guy in charge behind Joe Douglas out in New York. But look, I mean, Matthias Farley, Henry Anderson, we I could go Matthias. on and on about these guys. And, you know, I got the chance to talk with Connor Hughes, who covers the Jets for the Athletic, just kind of to, you know, I was like, Connor, are they, are they as bad as they look? And he's like, no, they're worse. Uh, they, oh they can't move the ball at all. Frank Gore is their starting running back. And like you said, we love Frank Gore, one of my favorite guys I've ever covered. But if he's your starting running back, that's an indictment on your roster. No offense like to Frank, my age. but like, come <laughs> on. And and Pierre Desir was benched last week, replaced by Quincy Wilson. And then Quincy Wilson got a concussion. And they're just, they're terrible. I mean, they gave up, they just scored 13 points against the 49ers like JV team because the 49ers lost their entire team to injury. So, um, this is the worst team in the NFL. They're coming to Lucas Oil Stadium with half the Colts from 2017. You know, the Colts need to not screw around, run the ball down their throat, and and just get this one over with without losing any more starters, for one. But um, here's a good question. If you could pull one of those former Colts and put them on the current roster, who would you pick? Hmm. Because good most question. of these guys, I would argue – you've upgraded significantly. Like Nate Harrison, goodbye. We got The Colts got Kenny Moore now. You know, right. Terrell they Basham, moved on they got Justin Houston. I could go on and on, you know? Right. They moved on for a reason from all of right. these guys. Right. There's no question about it. And they're not they're not losing sleep over it. 
Right. The one guy that I think was a surprise to us, but in retrospect, like I'm not broken up about it, is Pierre Desir. Not because I think the Colts are great at corner. They're okay. Yeah. But yeah. but I just I don't think they got worse. I just don't know if they got better. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't I, I'm I think I'm agnostic about that whole thing. So to your question, who would I want to have back? I think it would be I think it would come down to, <laughs> I know this is going to sound ridiculous, but <laughs> Josh Andrews was actually pretty good wow. offensive line depth. And I'll tell you what, because that is so hard to find. It's so hard to find it. The other guy I never really got my head around and wanted to see more of was Henry Anderson. I just, I never I think really. he was a scheme casualty. He was. But he went to New York and had seven sacks his first year there and got a big contract. Now, he hasn't done anything since, one sack in 15 games. I don't know how many snaps he would get on this defense. You need to be fast in this defense, and that's just not Henry's game. Yeah, I think I felt bad for him a little bit because, you know, Henry, he he had to sort of, what did he do? He he had to gain a bunch of weight one year, Yeah, you know, to, to play a certain style. And then they changed the scheme the next year, and so... That sucked, and yeah, he kind of got lost in the shovel. He really was a casualty of, of, of just you know coaching changes and what have you, which happens to a lot of guys in the NFL. You know, that's why where you end up and where you get drafted is so important, right? But right, uh, but but again, like he'd be the he probably is the one guy I still have some intrigue over. I do miss talking to Frank Gore, but yeah. I don't think he's cracking the lineup here. To be honest with you, no, <laughs> it's just not. No, I might go. I might go Matthias Farley. Simply because Malik Hooker's out and you could use some depth at safety. Yeah. I mean, you're going to go with either George Odom or the rookie Julian Blackman this week at that free safety spot. And Blackman was great on Sunday, but it's one game and, and we'll have to see how he goes the rest of the way. But, you know, Matthias was, if he's your backup safety, you feel pretty good about that. Uh, but he just, you know, they just ran out of spots when he was here. I think they cut him after camp last season. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's. You can you can make a really solid case that they've upgraded at every single position, every single one of those guys they've just upgraded, and and that's what happens over time. The funny thing about this is they all ended up on the same team. So hilarious. The, the funny <laughs> thing is also that uh, Chris Ballard drafted what three of these guys? I think uh, Quincy oh, more Wilson, than that. I bet. Uh, Nate Harrison. Uh, did he draft Anderson? No, I think that was Ryan Grigson. No, Quincy uh, Wilson drafted. Basham, Quincy, and Basham were back-to-back picks. Yeah, Hennessy was picks. a was a free agent pickup, college free agent, so that's fine. Right. Uh, Josh Andrews, I think, was the same. I can't recall. Well, but, he, he paid know, Pierre Desir. I mean, he gave him a big contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's interesting though that you know Nate here. You mentioned Nate Hairston and Kenny Moore. I think that particular instance, it worked the way it was supposed to work. And what I mean by that is. They got Nate Hairston. He he filled up. He served a purpose, and then they found Kenny Moore, and is like, yeah, you know what? We upgraded, and yeah. that's the way it's supposed to happen. You you keep building, and this actually leads me to another point that I was thinking about this week. I can't remember if I said this on the last podcast, but it's really funny how this worked out for the Colts, right? When they drafted Jonathan Taylor, like now we get it, right? Like the first yeah. day we saw him, we were like, okay, I get it, but. Maybe I'm speaking just for myself, but when they turned the card in and they made the announcement that night, part of me was kind of like, wait, what? You know, just not, a little bit of me was, was just a little bit like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Marlon Mack is a thousand yard guy. What are you doing? And then same thing you could argue, you could argue at safety. 
third round pick. Okay, Julian Blackman. And then the third round, you're taking a safety. Like, huh? Maybe not what I would have done, but okay. You know, where's the tight end? Where's this? Where's that? Right. Right. And I think what it proves is you're just looking for talent, man. And right. sometimes you, it doesn't matter where the talent comes from. You know, it's impossible it's like, to know how it's going to play out. And they didn't know Marlon Mack was going to get hurt, but. Man, the foresight. That's a really good point. Those two picks, back-to-back. You trade up to get Jonathan Taylor. You take a kid who's hurt, who got hurt in, in December of last year and wasn't at the Combine and no one really saw work out. And look at what they did on Sunday in just their second games. Their first game for Julian Blackman. Yeah, I don't know if they're good or just lucky. I don't know. But it certainly says something. I mean, I, I have always – you know, we always have that question around draft time. You always hear that question – um, you know, is it best available player or do you draft for need? Obviously, yeah. the answer is neither. But there is something to be said for, man, just find good players. <laughs> you yeah. know, there's just something to be said for that. So uh, I, I think the Colts have done that and, and you'll see them continue to do that. And that goes back to the competition mantra, honestly. And so if we have seven linebackers we like, we might cut a couple of them or we might keep them all. Which they did, <laughs> you know. Yeah, they've got so, how many receivers do they have on the roster right now? Probably seven. Patman's up. Yeah. Reese Fountain's up. They just sent Marcus Johnson to the practice squad, and, and he can step in. And um, you know, with Paris Campbell going down, so yeah, it's it's you're starting to see that every single position group is deeper than it was three or four years ago. And it took time, and it took really good drafts, but it doesn't always follow the plan necessarily. Um, but yeah, they're. I can promise you this, they're very glad they have Jonathan Taylor and Julian Blackman on the roster because they just lost two starters and, and you know, they don't have it, you know, it's, it's too late to find another one. You know what I mean? So you got to play the guys you have in the pipeline and, and they've got some good ones. Yeah. So, Hey, uh, stick around after the break and uh, you're not going to want to miss this. A quick word from Fubo TV. I want to tell you about the family plan. That's where three people can watch at once. They also have their standard base plan. That gives you the opportunity to watch two screens at once. There is 15% off your first month. You're getting 30 hours of DVR, local broadcasts, and look, $50 a month. So it's really affordable in today's tough time. You're also getting NBC Sports included on the national feed. So with the NFL season upon us, Fubo TV will not disappoint. Stay updated on your favorite teams as well as local broadcast news. So go to FuboTV.com slash athletic today and get 15% off your first month. You won't regret it. That's FuboTV.com slash athletic. Start your first month today. Quick word from Roman. Talking about erectile dysfunction is never easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves or say things like I lost my mojo. Or we just avoid it altogether with excuses like I had a long day at work. Sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about it with real healthcare professionals who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to your door with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is super simple. All you do is go to roman.com percent. That's our code for 1% better, and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Again, it's go to roman.com slash percent 
Today, if approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's roman.com slash percent. Roman.com slash percent. That's the deal. Colts, Jets on Sunday. I think this really just boils down to, again, I'm going to go back to what I said, win the damn game. They did not do that week one. <laughs> That's going to be my, my mantra. It's going to be like my my ad lib. Like rappers use that, these ad libs, right? In I'm with it. I'm with songs. it. We, should, we yeah. should bring this to Frank's attention on Fridays when we have <laughs> we our last press conference of the week. I think so. I think he'd get a kick out of it. Uh, Frank's pretty cool. So we'll see. Uh, Four o'clock game, so you can sleep in. You can watch the one o'clock games, do whatever you want, and then uh, take in some Colts in the afternoon. Uh, Zach and I will be there, and we will continue to have coverage of the Colts and everything else you want to see under the sun at The Athletic. Uh, Check out all the specials we've got, and also check out our friend Bruce Feldman, uh, one of our great college football writers. He did a a huge story that's been very, very well received on our old friend Pat McAfee. You want to check that out. Uh, He got a lot of anecdotes from from people who know Pat uh, from different stages in his life and career. And you can imagine what some of the stories consist of if you know Pat, like we do. Right. Uh, by the way, I have I have to have you share, Zach, the pinnacle of your your journalism career that uh. night in Houston. <laughs> right. So so Zach's sitting there at Super Bowl. What was that? Super Bowl fifty. It was Patriots Tex uh, Patriots Falcons. Whatever. They all run together. Anyhow, Super Bowl in Houston. Right. And we had been told, Pat told us, he's going to retire. We don't believe him, of course. And right. My editor, I told my editors, they don't believe me. And I said, no, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. He's going to retire. And I went to this bar in this, in you know, 20 minutes outside the city. And it's a bar stool party. So it's like bar stools, you know, Super Bowl show. And, and I'm like sitting there. I'm like, where's McAfee? Is this really going to happen? And he walks we out. We totally thought this was a publicity stunt. Okay. I, like, I totally I was, thought that. I was questioning everything at this point. I didn't believe in nothing. And, you know, I got a story ready to go. And, and then he comes out and he does it. And, and it was real. And, and then I sat in the trailer. <laughs> Who with does that? that? <laughs> Who retires on Barstool? I, one person. And, uh, no, I sat with him in the trailer that night, him and his girlfriend. And we talked for about an hour. And, he you know, he talked about his favorite moments as a Colt. And Colt Anderson was there, actually, the former Colt, remember? Yeah. Um, and he was there. And we talked about some crazy times, including the fake kick. By the way, oh my God! And um, there's only one Pat McAfee. That's all I can say about that. There's only one Pat McAfee. So you know, no one. I, I bet there was no time when Pat was a kid and someone asked him, "Hey, what do you want to do when you grow up?" He could never have predicted it because he would have had to say, "Well, I want to be an NFL punter. I want to be a pro wrestler. I want to be a college football announcer. Right. I want to like be a the comedian." Kid you just ignore because he's so ridiculous. He right. did all of them. And he did that, like. Okay, so like on career day, like when he has kids, like what's he gonna, you know, what's he gonna go as, right? You know, I don't know. He has like seven jobs. So I anyway. remember asking him, you know, four or five years into his career, like, what do you want to do after football? Just kind of randomly one day, and he's like, you know what? He's like, I've always wanted to be a pro wrestler, and I laughed, <laughs> and then I thought about it later, and I was like, he'll probably become a pro wrestler. Like I just, I just learned early, like, not to doubt him. He's just, he's gonna do it, and and. You know this as well, just covering him and being around him kind of before he exploded, exploded. Like, we kind of always knew he was going to do something big. He's just got that charisma. He's just too fun to be around. It was never just going to be a punter. He was going to be more than that. And he's he is one of the most popular media personalities in football right now. You know, one day, Pat is going to be, 
I don't know, some just, you know, unbelievably famous, on some unbelievably famous level doing something, hosting the Oscars or something. And we're all going to sit back and, you know, be sitting at like some some bar when we're like 55 years old saying, you know, um, I used to talk shit to that guy in the locker room. You know, right. I knew him when, when he was just an NFL punter. Right. <laughs> so, when he anyway, was so we'll always yeah. have that. Right. We'll always have that. Right. So, anyhow, I just thought we'd throw that in there. Sorry to get off on a tangent, but it was fun. Good memories. Uh, thanks for listening again, folks. Uh, we'll be back uh, after Sunday to see what uh, see what the day has for us and what it holds for the Colts and to see if they move to 2-1. So, again, I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. Thanks for listening to 1%. Better.